1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Low from the three, direct snap. Pacheco fakes the pitch, bounces left into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Here's a second and seven, and it's caught for the touchdown. It's Deontay Johnson. And that's who we talked about. You got it. He's the guy that gets a lot of the one-on-one matchups down here. How do you think Mason did after throwing that interception? I thought he was solid. I thought he was competitive. I thought his confidence was unshakable. Mike, you have a year left on the contract. Durant stepping out on Fox. Sidestep three. Durant with a block. Sones on the run. Buck trailing. Back to KD. Beyond the arc. Splashdown. A four-point game. This place is rocking. Keep an eye on Harrison Barnes, the end batter. Monk gets it away off the glass. Suns with what looks like an improbable wow. rally. Wow. Go on a 32 to 8 run. Wow. The fourth quarter demons. This might be. Vanquished. Okay, wait. This might be the turning point for the team. Now Arizona State and Collins with its third steal. Finds Miller alone. Adam Miller hits it. Jones spins. Got it away, and it falls in. Yeah, I'm not sure what Arizona's doing defensively. They keep putting guards on either Jones. And that shot long. Boswell missing another. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, January 17th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. The Chiefs as they flip the playoff switch. The Steelers, is Mike Tomlin returning the right move? Uh, the Suns, did, uh, does last night's rally matter in the long run? The Sun Devils, are you expecting? What are you expecting, I should say? What are you expecting this week versus the L.A. schools? The Wildcats, who should Tommy Lloyd bench? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Uh, here is today's pipeline. Actually, sorry about that. Let's get to the scheduled lineup first. I should know the format by now. Uh, here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday moments by the introduction of today's sp- uh, pipeline. There we go. 10.15 or so, a Chiefs and Bills preview of Matt Derrick uh, from Chiefs Digest, who's joined us many times over the last few years. 10.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also, of some bottom line from the pipeline questions. And then a little local roundup. That will include uh, you know some uh, details of last night's uh, Suns' historic-level comeback against the Kings. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the updated latest line from the NFL Divisional Playoff Round. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time. 
Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, do you believe the Chiefs flipped the postseason switch, starting with the win over the Dolphins? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Right now, the masses are on the no side of things at 63% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 37%. The Chiefs pretty much led from start to finish in the Arrowhead Stadium frozen tundra against their uh, rivals from South Florida. Meanwhile, today's ex-poll question, are the Steelers and Mike Tomlin doing the right thing by continuing uh, for at least one more season? And Kayla, what's up here? Yes, overwhelmingly leading the way at 89.5% of the vote. No trailing at just 10.5%. This is on Twitter at or X, I should say, at KDOS AM 1060. Less than 24 hours after he refused to answer really a legitimate question on the topic, Tomlin on Tuesday reportedly told his team that he will return for the 2024 season. On the local basketball front, the Suns' first game was back in 1968. Last night they staged one of the greatest comebacks in franchise history. They rallied from 22 down with 8 minutes and 22 seconds remaining and scored 23 of the last 28 points to beat the Kings 119 to 117. Do the Suns turn around their average season to date because of last night's unlikely comeback victory? ASU hosts the LA schools this week. ASU off to off it's really the first Pac-12 loss. They were four and zero. They lost last uh, last week in Washington. ASU though they need two wins this week over UCLA and USC, who are combined four and eight in conference games and a combined fifteen and nineteen overall. What do you want to see this week from ASU specifically? Meanwhile, U of A coach Tommy Lloyd is threatening lineup changes. The Wildcats are 4-4 four and four in their last eight games following last uh, Saturday's loss, and they were completely outplayed, even though it was a close final score at Washington State. Who should U of A coach Tommy Lloyd bench after going 4-4 four and four over the last eight games? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's a pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at uh, KDUS, excuse me, x.com slash KDUSAM1060. Uh, basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. <laughs> Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by a Chiefs and Bills preview and a kind of first up, kind of a Chiefs uh, uh, you know, season to date uh, you know, review and evaluation for Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Then at the bottom of the hour, we'll have phone call time, general discussion, 602 260 1060, plus the bottom line and the local roundup. That will include some details of the Suns' unlikely comeback victory last night. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7.
I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kisselux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. It is Chiefs and Bills again, but this time in Buffalo. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Matt Derrick, longtime Sports Zone guest uh, from ChiefsDigest.com. Uh, Matt, let's start with the Chiefs coming back last week. Uh, let, let's actually just start with the season in general. They've won you know, 12 of their 18 games, but they've been less than dominating the recent seasons. Let's start with the offense. What is, have been the biggest reasons in your mind is that the offensive efficiency has dropped off this year? Uh, bottom line, Bob, is you can just chalk it up to mistakes. And the biggest mistakes have just been too many turnovers, too many drops by the receivers, and too many penalties, especially by the offensive line. Uh, when they clean those things up, when they don't commit penalties, the receivers hold on to the football, and most importantly, you know, Patrick Mahomes is more careful with the football, they, they win games. They're still not the high-flying Chiefs offense of the past that seemed like it could put up third points at will and pretty much score any time they wanted to. Uh, they just don't have the same kind of talent right now, and, and teams are defending them differently in ways that they still haven't quite figured out. Uh, but at least in the last three games, they seem closer to you know playing cleaner football and and also just maybe finding some answers to the the defensive coverages they're seeing. Yeah, has there been a consensus? You mentioned the teams have defended them differently. Has there been a consensus of how teams have gone about that? Yeah, I mean, one specifically is that they face a lot of zone. I mean, they'll still still see some man coverage at times, but it's mostly a lot of zone and it's. It's not so much the, the two deep safeties that was the, the realm of the time that everybody was playing against the Chiefs just to take away the deep ball. Now the, they've, the people have kind of figured out that the key to defending the Chiefs, especially this version of the Chiefs, which they just don't have a lot of zone beaters. I mean, Travis Kelsey and, and frankly, rookie Rasheed Rice are, are really their only two guys that they have that have consistently found ways to find those voids in the zone. Um, but teams are dropping seven, eight. They're only rushing three or four. Uh, the, the emphasis now is keeping Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. And the idea is, that, hey, if you can keep Mahomes holding on to the football as long as possible, eventually this Chiefs offense will break down. I mean, you know, they're, they're, the receivers start finding space to get open. Uh, Mahomes isn't finding great windows. So the longer a play goes on, the more likely he is to kind of try and force it into a tight window or – there's going to be a penalty and and that's pretty much all it's taken to think Chiefs drives this year if you can get them into a second and 20 because there's a holding penalty um this Chiefs team isn't converting those the way that they used to so yeah I mean that's that's the one approach that you know in the Dolphins last week obviously because of their injuries they they tried to blitz the streets a lot more than teams usually do and that's the means Mahomes found some targets and they took some deep shots did not hit them but I'd be very surprised if we saw Buffalo use the same approach just because I think the Dolphins were kind of up against it a little bit injury-wise and didn't have many other options to, to go for it. Okay, so because, let's kind of combine a lot of the things you just said there. You know, because of all those things offensively, is it difficult? And how would you evaluate Mahomes' season in 2023, or the 2023 season, so to speak? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is uh, any doubt that it's been his most challenging season, and and one has just been you know the this receiver group really did not come along the way that it was imagined. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's a veteran of that group, is having a down year. He's had a, a lot of drops this year, and uh, it hasn't been the deep target that he has been in the past. Even going back to Green Bay, um, drops have been a huge problem. They were a huge problem for Kadarius Tony on on week one against the Lions, and, you know, and that really cost him a game. I mean, they had a, he had a drop that turned into a pick six, and that alone cost him that one ball game. And he never really found his group. And injuries have been a part of it, too, but you get really what the Chiefs imagined as their top two receivers this year really haven't gotten anything accomplished. And, you know, so they've had to go in different directions. And Mahomes has really only had Rasheed Rice and, and Kelsey has his two reliable targets. And he's had some turnovers than he usually has, you know, and it had this year. His numbers across the board are down. I think getting used to two new tasks on the outside has been a factor as well. So, you know, it hasn't been just one thing with this Chiefs offense and for Mahomes. It's been a little bit of everything. Um, but I think in the at least in the last couple of games, we saw have seen him be a little bit more of a game manager, which you know sounds counterintuitive to do with Mahomes, but. When he actually has a defense for once, it's kind of yeah. what he has to do if they, he wants to win some ball games. I'll get to that defense in a couple of minutes here. First up, you mentioned Kelsey. He's been part of the drop pass uh, group here. Uh, obviously, he was injured in practice the week of the season opener against the Lions. Some of the national media has suggested he might actually retire after this season. You've seen every snap. How would you analyze Kelsey's season, and do you think he might actually step away after this year? Yeah, this is another guy for whom it's it's just been the toughest year he, I think he's had in his career. Uh, obviously, didn't get the thousand yard mark that he had for the last seven seasons. That streak comes to an end. And you're right. I mean, because of that hyperextended knee he served, he suffered before week one in practice. He hasn't been 100 percent at any point this season. And then you you add on he had a neck stinger a few weeks ago. Um, he's had an ankle injury. I mean, it just seems to be one thing after another. So it's it's been a struggle for him. But I don't get any sense that he's going to retire. We, we talked to him about it last week, and he admitted, yeah, he thinks about it, but that's because he's 34 years old and it, just, it crosses his mind. But he has also told us in the past that he intends to play until the wheels fall off. says he still loves football, and I, I don't see any indication that he's planning on hanging it up anytime soon. So I, I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if he retired after this season. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, currently in the sports zone. All right, the defense, uh, you know, the offense hasn't been as good, but this young defense has been among the best in the NFL in many categories, whether it's metrics or old stats or any stats. Uh, why have they improved this much this season? I think there's a lot of factors, but, you know, one for, for sure is that this is, I think, the first time that um, Steve Spagnuolo has the, the personnel to deploy the defense that he wants. You know, he's got Chris Jones up front in the middle, and then he's got some long, lean edge rushers on the outside. Um, they were number two in the two in the league in sacks this year. And, you know, they did it without any one player dominating. You know, Chris Jones and George Karloff is at 10.5 sacks. It's, it goes all the way across the board. Um, even got, you know, a bunch of sacks from their defensive backs on the Steve Spagnuolo blitzes. Um, they've got a couple of r really good linebackers. I mean, Nick Bolton is a, is a future pro bowler for sure. Um, Drew Tranquil came in as a free agent and really brought some stability as a backup when 
when uh, when Bolton missed nine games, Drew Tranquil, you know, was able to play the mic position, and they didn't miss a beat with that with him. So, and then you throw in the back in the secondary. You know, Justin Reed, the great veteran on the back end, Brian Cook before his injury uh, was really developing into his own. But I don't think there's any doubt that the the young stars of this set defense are the corners. You know, between Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Um, both should have been all pros in my mind for this year. McDuffie was, Legarius Sneed was one place away from being a, an all pro. Uh, but those two have just been absolutely lights out. Sneed has been playing against uh, the top receiver, shadowing them all season long, and has just simply dominated the best in the league. You, you, you take your pick. I mean, he has shut down everybody. Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, whomever he's been on, they haven't done anything against Legarius. You mentioned some of the reasons, but how has Spagnolo specifically changed his game or approached the most? Or what areas have changed the most? Yeah, you know, one thing that he talks about a lot is just how they have changed their coverages. And a big part of that is, you know, they have the flexibility. It's, it, they go fairly deep at each of their, you know, their backfield positions in the secondary. Um, you know, Mike Edwards, free agent from Tampa Bay, has been their number three safety. He's starting now because of the cook injury, but – you know, you had that kind of depth, you can do different things. And Shamari Connors, a draft pick at safety, has been playing a lot um, as their dime safety, and he's been very flexible and adaptable that he can play multiple positions. And, and Justin Reed's the same way. I mean, they've been using Justin Reed in really a lot of the same ways that they use Tyron Matthew. And then you throw in not just at the top with Sneed and McGuffey, but Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, they've got some corners outside that can play with depth too and 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 really fit into that you know six foot long arms lean corners that that city spagnolo loves and and they also have the ability to mix things up so they use they they mix every coverage they use zone they use man um they use a lot of uh you know passing off they 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 really focus a lot on on those corners being interchangeable and that does give them the, the flexibility to really, you know, show a different look almost every single time. And then on top of that, you don't know where the pressure's coming from. I mean, obviously it's the Steve Spagnuolo system, so he's going to blitz from different directions. And right now, any particular moment in time, he's got 11 players on the field that can go after the quarterback. The Chiefs are on the road in the AFC postseason for the first time during the Mahomes era. Every network television person has pointed that out many times. How big of a deal is it that Mahomes and the Chiefs are away from Arrowhead? Uh, honestly, I think it's a it's a motivating factor. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not the kind that needs to go looking for motivation. He can find it wherever he wants. And this week kind of, I think, plays right up his alley as far as finding motivation. Not only is he, the, he you know, going on the road for the first time and people, whether he can do that, he's underdog. He gets to be the villain, which he kind of likes playing that role sometimes. Uh, throw on top of that, I mean, there's always been a little bit of, you know, hey, Buffalo was the, was the draft day trade that the Chiefs made to get him. And so he's always had a little bit of that, hey, Buffalo didn't want me, the Chiefs did. Um, that he's been able to kind of manufacture it. And there's no doubt, I mean, when, when Patrick Mahomes is motivated, that's a dangerous Patrick Mahomes. So he's got a lot of boxes that he can check this week. And I think they're actually relishing the idea of going to Buffalo, being the underdog, and playing that card this week. Talking with Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. All right, the past and uh, the past Bills Chiefs history, including this season, uh, does that history matter this week, do you think? 
I think the only thing that really matters is that, you know, in the last few years, the Bills have, have had the, the better of the Chiefs in the regular season, but in the postseason, the Chiefs have had the better of the Bills. And I, I do think that a little bit of that, you know, plays into this game because I, I think that the Bills, every time they face the Chiefs, they try to take them down and they throw their best stuff at them. I don't know if they have anything in reserve for this Chiefs team that, that Kansas City didn't see back in week 14, whereas I'm pretty sure that Andy Reid's got some surprises and some wrinkles uh, that the Bills haven't seen yet. So uh, it's to me it's going to be that ability. If, if Buffalo can come up with something that the Chiefs haven't seen and surprise them, I, I think they have a chance. Otherwise, as long as the, the Chiefs play it close to the vest, they don't turn over the football, and that defense plays the way it has, Remember, they haven't given up more than 27 points in a game all season. Uh, mm. Really, these games with the Chiefs are a race to 24. If you can get the 24, 24 points in a Chiefs game, you're winning it. Okay, so let's break this down a little even a little more specifically here. Let's start with the Chiefs' offense against the Bills' defense. What what matchups catch your attention the most? Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously one is going to be Travis Kelsey and, and how the, the Bills defend him, especially, you know, if, if they're going to have the safeties, Poyer and Hyde, you know, matching up against him. You've got to find some way to do that. And, but right now, I mean, the middle of the field has been where you can move and get the football and you can get some yards against that Buffalo defense because of their injury. So I mm-hmm. think it's going to be absolutely Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice trying to work the middle of that field. And if they can have another day like they had against the Dolphins, you know, had 201 yards between the two of them, if they can be productive that same way in the middle of the field, uh, I think it's going to be a good day for the Chiefs. And, and then defensively, James Cook is the guy that the Chiefs need to stop. He was the one that really, you know, set the tone in the first game, um, had a big touchdown catch, was really effective on the ground. Um, the Chiefs need to make sure that the Buffalo running game never gets established. If they can do that and work from and, and get a lead, I don't think this defense is giving it up. So and that's one thing you have to do. I think the Bills is make them a little bit more to one-dimensional. If you can get them out, off the ground game and force it into a situation where where Allen is throwing the football, the Chiefs will go after him with their their pressure. And I think they like their chances in the secondary to, to contain him or at least get some turnovers. To me, the Chiefs' defense against the Bills' offense is the juicy matchup here. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's, you know, there, there's some injuries on that side of the football for Buffalo, so I think there's some opportunities. Uh, it's just up to the Chiefs, to, I think, to maximize their opportunities. Okay, so, you know, do you believe the narrative that the Chiefs have flipped the switch since the playoffs are underway, and are they good enough this year to flip the switch? Well, that's the million-dollar question because normally this, this team, to me, flips the switch once the, the calendar turns to December, and they didn't do it this year. And so I, I've been waiting to see if they've got it. I mean, in this three-game winning streak, I will say I've, I've been seeing a little bit more of that chief swagger, that confidence that they usually have at this time of the season. I don't know if it's entirely justified right now, um, but they're feeling it, and maybe that's half the battle. If they're, they're confident and they're feeling good, maybe that is going to translate. Um, what they needed to do is translate on the offensive side. I mean, obviously the defense has been there. I would be very surprised if this defense is the reason why this team loses in the postseason. It's going to be on the offense, and if the offense can protect the football and feel confident that they can move it, 
Eventually, the one thing they're going to have to do, though, is, is, is win in the red zone. And that's where this offense has struggled all year long, is bogging down once they reach down inside the 20. Harrison Butker is pretty much automatic on field goals these days, but you've got to get more touchdowns than they have been getting because that's what could eventually cost them in the end. Okay, I realize it's Wednesday morning still. A long way to Sunday night. Uh, any idea of what way you might be leaning as far as who wins this game? And what, what would determine you know, who you pick to win this game? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure that the weather's going to be a huge factor. We'll see what it's like in, in Buffalo on Sunday. I know it's going to be cold. Maybe it'll be snowing. Uh, after what the Chiefs played in last week, I don't think anything's going to phase them. So, uh, I, I think the weather will probably be an even factor for both teams. Uh, I think it's going to come down to the offenses and which one makes the least number of mistakes. Uh, I, I felt this way about the, the Chiefs in Miami, and I, I kind of feel the same way here. The team with the fewer turnovers is probably going to win this game. If you can protect the football and you can take it away on the other side, I, I think that's going to be enough to give somebody the advantage. I, I think the point spread's about right. I wouldn't be surprised if either one of these teams wins by three. Um, but I, I think the Chiefs probably – I think they pulled this one off. Uh, I, earlier, I, 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 my gut said – I think I said 21-17, which I think – or 20-17, which is the exact score of the last game. So I can't go with the exact mm. score, but I think it will be somewhere Sure in you can. Maybe 23-20. Yeah, somebody, somewhere around there. I don't think – I'm not convinced either one of these teams is getting the 24, but whoever gets the closest will win. You can go with the exact score. It's not like it's impossible <laughs> that they might repeat that. So, you know, you're entitled to they do could. that if you want. So don't <laughs> let that stop you. All right, Matt, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, Bob. Great, great catching up with you. Take care. All right, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Excellent stuff there. Uh, tomorrow in this uh, segment, we will preview the, uh, the, Texans and the, 49, the Texans and the 49ers game. No, that's not right. The Texans and the Ravens game. I'll get that right. If you get the, the game straight, who's playing who, that would be helpful. Uh, we'll preview that game tomorrow in this segment. Get the Houston side of things. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also, we'll get to some local roundup, including some details of the Suns. Uh, almost historical, not uh, completely historical as far as league-wide history, but uh, certainly one of the greatest comebacks in Suns history last night. Two defeated the uh, defeat Sacramento Kings. If you went to sleep like at 9.15 last night or so, you probably woke up this morning and went, what the heck happened there? <laughs> if, assuming you know, maybe you think even at this point that they lost if you're just tuning in. But we'll get to more of that in the next segment. But phone call time if you want to jump in. 602-260-1060. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard. we got plenty of time in this segment if you'd like to participate. General discussion, 602 602- 260-1060 is the KDUS hotline number. All right, first up, let's get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Uh, lots of basketball stuff on the local front. Uh, you look, uh, you know, last night, obviously, and then tonight as far as ASU and U of A. Let's start with last night. Do, do, does the Suns turn around 
uh, from the, the last night, the game, the, the way that they rallied that game, did, did they turn around their average season to date because of the unlikely comeback last night? I think the bottom line is that the Suns' epic rally last night against the Kings was certainly better than yet another loss to a team better than the Suns. But it's foolish, I think, to believe that one game during an 82-game regular season is going to you know, basically you know, cancel the first 39-plus games of this season. Uh, we'll have much more on that comeback later in this segment, by the way. Question is, uh, you know, once again, do you think that turns around their season? Meanwhile, what do you want to see from ASU this week other than two wins against the, uh, against the L.A. schools who are – you know, UCLA is battered by injury and maybe not that good if they're healthy. And UCLA has been one of the biggest disappointments in college basketball. The bottom line, the Sun Devils need to continue their stretch of improved offense. I think that's been the biggest reason that they're 4-1 in Pac-12 conference play. Now, that offense completely went south in the last few minutes of that game against Washington when they lost in Seattle last week. But for the most part, uh, the uh, offense since Pac-12 play has started has been much better than what we saw in the months of November and December. Also in the uh, pipeline today, how should uh, or who specifically should Tommy Lloyd bench after uh, going 4-4 four and four after the last eight games? Certainly strong indications there are going to be some lineup or rotation changes at least. Uh, they're, they have, they've played not well since they started off uh, the undefeated start there. And starting with that Purdue loss in uh, Indianapolis, they're now 4-4 four and four in the last eight games, including a couple of Pac-12 losses, culminating with the uh, awful performance. And they just got out-hustled, outplayed, and they didn't play any defense, in my opinion, uh, last week against Washington State on Saturday in Pullman. Uh, the bottom line there is that Tommy Lloyd needs to bench starting point guard Kylan Boswell, who has been he was scoreless in that game against uh, Washington State last Saturday. Uh, he has seldom been above average during this four and four record over the last eight games. I would be really surprised if he were the starting point guard tonight. So the question is, who's the starting point guard instead? I don't have a good answer for that one. So we'll see what happens this evening. That'll be the first thing to pay attention to tonight when the U of A faces USC in Tucson. Also in today's pipeline, the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Do you believe the Chiefs flipped the postseason switch during the win, uh, starting with the win, I should say, against the Dolphins? And also the uh, the next uh, poll question today, are the Steelers and Mike Tomlin doing the right thing by continuing for at least one more season? We will answer the poll questions during the 1230 segment during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. All right, if you want to get in, once again, 602-260-1060. Plenty of time left in the rest of this segment if you'd like to participate. All right, on to a little local roundup. Let's start out with the Suns, the miracle comeback from last night. Uh, they were significantly outplayed for you know, roughly the first 40 minutes. You know, it's not exactly a bold statement to say that you're being outplayed when you're trailing 109 to 87 with eight minutes and 22 seconds left in the game. But the Suns rallied for a 119-117 victory. The Suns ended the game on a 23-3 run. That was after Frank Vogel pretty much gave up trying to get a few stops because uh, that wasn't working. And he went with the offense first lineup of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, 
Bradley Beal, Grayson Allen, and Eric Gordon. Uh, yeah, depending on how tall you think Durant is, hardly anybody, uh, he's a tall man. But other than that, really none of those guys are over like 6'5 or 6'6. And that group uh, also, the offense you flourished with that group. Maybe that's not surprising. They made seven in their last eight field goal attempts. That that's, that, that five five guys there that was on the they were on the floor for the pretty much the entire last you know, seven minutes of the game. It was just the first time in the last 25 seasons that any NBA team overcame a deficit of at least 20 points in less than eight minutes remaining, according to the Associated Press. The uh, NBA teams facing deficits of 22 or more points in the fourth quarter. We're zero in 1,000, 2,000, oh, that's such a big number, I can't even read it, 1,224. They had zero wins, 1,224 losses going back to August 23rd of 2020. Meanwhile, the Suns got the lead at 117-115. That was their first lead since 3-2 in that game. Uh, The bottom line is the Suns' comeback victory was obviously the story, but... It should be pointed out that the Kings were playing their fifth consecutive road game. The last three games were Friday night in Philadelphia. Then Sunday, they had a controversial 143-142 loss to the Bucs. Uh, controversial is a kind term. They got hosed by the officials. Mike Brown was not happy about that after the game. Took to the uh, laptop and uh, you know, showed specific plays of how he thought they got hosed, and he was correct, by the way, in that game against the Bucks. and he was also subsequently fined by the NBA yesterday for his uh, stance in that game after, after that game on Sunday night. So those were the last two games, and then they played the Suns last night. So quite a stretch to end a five-game road trip, uh, So, but it did not go well for them. But they were far from uh, – Highly rested. Not surprisingly, they were certainly motivated at the start of that game, and they started out tremendously. But uh, needless to say, they uh, you know fizzled at the end. It wasn't just all being a fatigue thing. I think some of it was. Not all a fatigue thing, but the Sun strategy and Frank Vogel. I think that's his best uh, coaching moments uh, as the Suns had coached so far this season, which was had quite frankly, it's had some less than stellar coaching moments this season. So up next, the Suns. Uh, they don't play till Friday night when they go to New Orleans and face the 24 and 17 Pelicans. Who last word? You know, it's hard to tell with the Pelicans. They've got guys in and out of the lineup all the time, like many NBA teams. But the last I saw, they seem to be relatively healthy at this point. So, hopefully, for entertainment purposes, among other things, they'll be relatively healthy on Friday night. All right, ASU. They play UCLA tonight. ASU now 10 and 6 overall, 4 and 1 in conference play. UCLA 7 and 10 overall, 2 and 4 in conference play. I've had a conversation with one of my college basketball friends, uh, one of my friends who likes college basketball to move more accurate, very much so he likes college. He used to play college basketball uh, and uh, for a couple of universities in this fine land of ours. And we have discussed, we have actually basically surmised that this might be the worst UCLA team of our lifetime and we're both in our mid 60s uh they're not good uh you know they uh they did win last week uh the last game that they played but uh uh they they beat stanford uh i'm not sure what i think of stanford they're a hard team to figure 
Uh, really, they're one of those TV timeout to TV timeout teams. I don't know what you're getting out of Stanford. But UCLA did win that game. So we'll see what happens. ASU's been excellent at home so far this season, 7-0 and zero overall, 2-0 and zero in conference games at home. Uh, you know, coming off of the, con- the two conference wins two weeks ago against the Mountain Schools, ASU is uh, outscoring opponents at home, uh, 518-460. to 460. It's not an overwhelming amount, but they've averaged 74 points per game at home. Uh, so that's uh, you know, that's something they need to strive for because when ASU loses games or struggles in games and wins even, it's usually because the offense is not terribly efficient. Dating back to last season, ASU has won 12, 10 of its last 12 games at home, uh, and they're uh, looking for a 3-0 and conference start in uh, Pac-12 play for the second consecutive season. So we'll see how it goes this evening against UCLA. Meanwhile, the U of A, as I mentioned a couple of times in this hour, 4-4 four and four in the last eight games overall. Tonight, the U of A now 12-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two Pac-12 play. Goes against 8-9 and 4-12 and and USC. Uh, the U of A also undefeated at home so far this season, 8-0. and zero. At home, they've averaged 91.2 points per game. They've outscored their opponents by 19.3 points per game at home. Uh, the, the Trojans, the injury-plagued Trojans, two and four in conference games, as I mentioned. Uh, they're also uh, you know, really not been good in games that have been decided by five or six points or less so far this year. Uh, hopefully for ASU, for the U of A, it won't be a close game. Uh, ASU, USC doesn't have problems scoring. Uh, they've had some serious problems defending, so we'll see how this goes. Also, Isaiah Collier uh, was do, playing especially well. In the last few games, he's considered to be possibly the first pick of the NBA draft next season by some. He's likely out for the season. He's definitely out for a while with a hand or broken wrist or depending on which report you believe in, something to do with his arm. Uh, He's out and uh, he's out for several weeks. And it's, uh, you know, speculated by many of the draft people, especially that he will likely just sit out the rest of the season and get ready for the NBA draft. As far as the last 10 games are concerned, the U of A down a little bit offensively uh, to 80, uh, 88.7 points per game, which is certainly manageable. What's been really bad for D- the U of A during this losing streak is their defense has gotten far worse. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that their defense is, I, don't, I think it's probably too premature to say that it's been exposed. Uh, but it's certainly uh, not – they're not as good a defensive team as originally thought during the uh, early part of the season when they were winning every game, literally every game they played in November and early December. One other quick note from down south, uh, U of A quarterback Noah Fafita and top receiver T. McMillan, former high school teammates, are staying at the U of A. That, according to Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, I believe he was the first one to report that. Speculation had been growing – that both of those guys, Fafita and McMillan, were going to follow uh, head, head coach Jed Fish to the University of Washington, but apparently they're not going to do that. All right, coming up next, a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone with a national roundup, including uh, some uh, you know, rip from the headlines from the wire and whatever else I can jam in in the next segment, in the final segment of today's show. Don't forget the next two hours. It'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. I'll hang around and 
offer, I'm sure, some sharp uh, insight uh, to whoever I'm asked about. If not, I'll just BS my way through it. Or both. That would be even better. If I could just do both of those things, combine those two things, that would be borderline brilliant, but that kind of uh, eliminates that from happening because that means it would have to be borderline brilliant. And I think we all recognized a long time ago, um, borderline brilliant is not exactly an everyday occurrence about everything. Maybe a few things here and there, but not everything. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1016 KSLX HD 2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. On to the National Roundup we go. Kind of a combination of ripping the headlines and from the wire. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said on Tuesday, actually, excuse me, on Wednesday, that he started preparing for the Packers during the second quarter of their Sunday route against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Saints fired offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael, uh, who had been in their organization or on the staff, I should say, for the last 15 years. Meanwhile, college football, uh, a little bit, of, uh, a couple of things I didn't have time to get to yesterday. Right off the bat, the University of Texas uh, signed Steve Sarkeesian to a contract extension through 2030. USC's the uh, USC quarterback Caleb Williams on Monday. That was deadline day for uh, underclassmen to declare for the NFL draft. He waited till like the last minute, uh, and then officially declared he's off to the NFL draft. Former Washington State quarterback Cam Ward apparently will be the quarterback at the University of Miami in 2024. Over the last month, Ward was reportedly headed to Florida State. Then he said he was going to the NFL draft before he withdrew from that list. And then now he's apparently going to the University of Miami to be their quarterback in 2024. Ohio State should have a much better, uh, they're going to have a better talent pool in 2024 than expected uh, because several of their NFL draft-eligible players, including uh, running back Trey Henderson, uh, decided to return for one more year. Plus, sticking with Ohio State, the next athletic director will be Ross Bjork, uh, who has uh, most recently been with Texas A&M. On July 1st, uh, July 1st Bjork uh, will replace the uh, retiring Gene Smith, who many years ago, Gene Smith was the ASU athletic director. When I first got here in 2022, excuse me, 2002, uh, he was the athletic director at ASU, and it was very nice to me when I first got here. And we, uh, uh, quite frankly, had a much better relationship, I did at least, with ASU than, we did, than I do now. Uh, meanwhile, from uh, Major League Baseball, the uh, former Diamondback Paul Goldschmidt entering the final year of his five-year, $130 million contract with the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals have not shown any sign of extending that contract. So we'll see what happens with that as we move forward. All right, a little latest line action here. Let's do some uh, little college football, uh, college basketball, I should say. College football is over. College basketball for tonight. And I mentioned in the last uh, segment, UCLA and uh, – USC here to face the Arizona schools this week. ASU tonight a three-and-a-half-point favorite over UCLA. The total in that game, 130-and-a-half. I'm clearly on the ASU in this game, and 
Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be down, down to three at any point, but you know, I'm just going to wait and see what happens with the number. But I will be on ASU unless there's some kind of injury information we don't know about right now. That's my plan, at least, to be on ASU against UCLA tonight. And then the U of A is laying 19 against USC. I, I didn't have time to look. I forgot, actually, to look it up. But it's like USC has won like one of the last 30 years. I'm not exaggerating here. One of like the last 30 years in Tucson. Uh, you know, had, you know had nothing to do with the 19-point number tonight. USC is a battered and uh, reeling team. And I'm not really sure how good they are when they're completely healthy, but they're far from completely healthy right now. Uh, so U of A 19-point favorite tonight in McHale. The total in that game is sitting at 159.5 at last look. NFL playoff numbers quickly. Uh, the Ravens a 9-point favorite against the Texans. Uh, San Francisco 9.5 against Green Bay. The Lions are 6.5 against Tampa Bay. And the Bills on Sunday night, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. The next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll have a lot more from the NFL weekend, not just uh, the games that uh, were played uh, Friday, you know, it was Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, we'll go through the teams that got beat, kind of do like a eulogy of these teams and where they might be, uh, what they might be doing uh, look moving forward. There might even be a couple of teams that lost over the weekend that might be changing their coaches in the next couple of days here, or hours or minutes for all I know. Thanks for listening. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp.